Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colin, the Lamar Jackson podcast. I am your humble host, the conductor of the now completely dead Devin Punches hype train, rom com aficionado, worshiper of Nikhil Harry, and Damian Harris truther, the old married guy Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We got DK Metcalf, number one admirer, doubter of Juju Smith Schuster, proponent for a line of Jon Snow hair products. You heard it here first. Resident old man Clark Burns, and Sabbath. Yeah! Proud father of Quentin Nelson, WNBA hot take machine wine connoisseur, and the man who boldly said the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make the playoffs this year. Working girl Jordan Smith and the biggest 49ers fan you know, Arya Starks, the spirit animal, the only man who hates Larry Fitzgerald, and a fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts, the normal ginger man, Nick Butterford. And guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Very alive. Very alive. Everyone, everyone successfully uh, survived week one of NFL action and, and fantasy football. I feel like barely everybody had at least one person that scored like 40 to 50 points this week. I feel like. Yes. That. The jury's still out on that for me. So we'll see. Things are still deciding for Clark. Well, I wanted to start off there. Um, we got a lot to cover. There's a ton of news to get to. Um, and we're going to talk about week one overreactions because what else is there to talk about the first day after football is being played? But before we get into those things, I know normally in the past, for those who have listened to the show before, we do um, You Helped No One during the NFL season. But this year I decided, you know what? <clears throat> There's enough negativity in the world. There's enough singling out players who don't do what we want them to do for our fantasy teams. That's unnecessary to throw more into the, uh, into the world and into the universe. So instead, this year... We are going to, every Tuesday show, we are going to pick and nominate and uh, successfully choose a fantasy MVP for the week. Obviously, this won't include what Monday Night Football gives us since uh, since we record during the game. But I think we've got a full slate of games to be able to crown someone. Uh, so this week, I put forth to you, the committee, uh, this week's fantasy football MVP clearly has to be Derrick Henry. Right, Clark? This game's already not fun, Pete. <laughs> I joke. It's clearly Lamar Jackson and his five touchdowns, baby. Hence why we were a Lamar Jackson podcast. That was a fun game to watch. I, I was definitely enjoying myself. I like the Titans game. Well, we're talking about Lamar Jackson, Nick. This is, yes. this is, do we agree that he is our fantasy MVP for this week? Just one MVP? I thought we were each picking an MVP. Well, we each could I pick got my own. Oh, you guys got your own? Uh, All right. Well, then let's hear them. Quickly, rattle them off. What's your fantasy MVP? I got Lamar Jackson. He seems like a clear pick. Mine's not a quick rattle off, but I, oh, I just have some fun, some fun stats for people. My MVP, I think, was Austin Eckler. Um, I think he, or well, he has been the RB2 so far in all fantasy football. 
he helps vindicate people who may have drafted him as either handcuffed to Melvin Gordon or they took the gamble and were like, hey, I'm going to draft this guy um, until Melvin Gordon comes back. Um, and he looked damn good against a pretty fine Colts defense. Um, and he did most of his damage in the receiving game. So I took a look at what Austin Eckler's stats were just if he were a receiver and did not take into account his uh, rushing stats. And he graded out very close to Chris Conley, who had six catches, 96 yards and a touchdown, which was for ESPN leagues like 18.7 points. Eckler had six catches, 96 yards, but two touchdowns. So that put him up at 24.7, which puts him tied for wide receiver five with T.Y. Hilton. Damn, Austin Eckler. So Austin Eckler is a top two running back and a top five wide receiver. That's why he's my MVP this week. So I went, um, uh, I went with Sammy Watkins. He's the overall uh, fantasy scoring leader outside of uh, quarterback, probably outside of Lamar Jackson. Just the dude, I, he, he probably wasn't started in as many leagues as, uh, as Austin Eckler was, so maybe Eckler deserves it. But uh, Watkins immediately vaults into like wide receiver what five conversation with Tyreek Hill injured. Um, so anyway, yeah, he, he's just – a beast. He looks awesome. And, uh, that offense looks good as hell. Hey, hey Pete, real quick. Do, do we have any sort of, um, like a bet about Ooh. Patrick? Well, Mahomes it's funny, it's funny you that bring game? that up because we did have a bet about Mark Ingram being a top seven running back this week. And he is RB six right now. So, um, I feel like we, uh, we'll call it a draw Nicholas. I don't, what oh. was the Mardinger bet? I don't remember that at all. That I, uh, he would be RB7 or above, and you were like, no, he's RB14. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That's my Nick impression. Yeah, that was good. Oh. It was fun. Thanks. Thanks. I was watching NFL Red Zone, and I saw the Chiefs game, and I, it was like right before half that uh, Mahomes went over 250 yards, and I was like, oh, oh there it is. Halftime. <laughs> hey, I get at least some points because Mahomes also – fucking did the no look pass that he airmailed to Travis Kelsey like 30 feet over his head because Pat Mahomes was like, hey, internet, look how cool I can be. He's, he played on one leg and threw for like with 350 yards. <laughs> anyway. Left uh, on the table. What a noob. Against the vaunted Jaguars defense. Looks like they're going to be great again this year. <laughs> Week one, and yeah, Clark's already up firing up the Jaguars. <laughs> Uh, the Jaguars need no help getting fired up. <laughs> they were all trying to get kicked out of that yeah, game. Yeah, they were. There was a lot of a lot of testosterone pumping through that team. Clark, you got a fantasy MVP for the week? Sure, we'll go, we'll go with the boring one. Uh, Christian McCaffrey taken really, really high and popped huge in week one. So all of those folks that maybe were a little afraid of Zeke or who just took the uh, air quotes, surefire PPR points really got paid off week one with their first round pick. Yeah. Well, congrats. Congrats to Lamar. Congrats to Christian McCaffrey. Congrats to uh, Sammy Watkins and to uh, Austin Eckler for all being our picks for the fantasy MVP of the week. It's a true honor. But mostly Lamar Jackson. But mostly, I mean, let's be honest. It's Lamar. We're, we're a Lamar Jackson podcast. We will uh, spend most of our time talking about how amazing he is. I was going to pick Lamar Jackson, but I've talked about him at length. People should know it by now. He's always my number like one boy. This entire podcast has spoken at length about him. I don't know. It would be a challenge for us to go through an entire podcast without mentioning his name. I don't know if we could do it. It would definitely limit the amount that Jordan talks in a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd limit my minutes for sure. <laughs> 
All right, let's move on to some news. Around this time in the year, once the actual games start, obviously our new segment basically really becomes either transactional news or, sadly, injuries. And there we saw a fair number of injuries in this first week. Uh, we'll start with the Chiefs-Jaguars <clears throat> Chiefs game, which had two injuries come out of it. Nick Foles, who broke his clavicle uh, and is on IR designated to return, and Tyreek Hill, who is out indefinitely, it seems. It says they're saying kind of a couple weeks um, with, I believe, a shoulder injury of some sort. Nick, what do you think? Like, what's your feeling of the Jaguars now that uh, likely, what is it, Gardner Minshew? Minshew? Is Gardner Minshew, yeah. yeah. The mustache of Gardner Minshew is going to be leading the Jaguars' offense. Yeah, he, uh, he's a WSU quarterback, so he's an air raid guy. Uh, Davis Maddock his his creed is just every year some NFL team should draft the Washington State quarterback uh late in every late in the draft uh the dude he played pretty well coming off the bench I mean I don't he think that he's going to match Foles but yeah he 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 uh he looked like an uh, like an NFL player um so I think that it it drops the the value of D.D. Westbrook we loved him because Foles loves the slot but Minshew Im- immediately was like hey how about throwing deep bombs so DJ Shark is suddenly should be on our fantasy radars if you're in a deep league definitely add him uh he's probably a little better in standard than PPR just because he's a, a deep guy uh but what I did like to see I was a little bit worried about Leonard Fournette but the dude racked up uh he had four catches and was the he's tied for the 11th most targeted running back in the league this week, which is awesome for his usage. That that shows us that the the uh, the rumors are true. He's staying on the field for third down. That's awesome. I'm so fired up about Leonard Fournette. Yeah, and I think his usage will even probably bump up a little bit more with a rookie quarterback under center, and not the passing game, but in the rushing game. Uh, my first instinct was to say, "Ah, oh, man." This is this is bad because Nick Foles is out, no Leonard Fournette, but Gardner Minshew came in and he looked like pretty okay. Yeah, and um, you know if those deep balls aren't there, guess what he's going to do? Check it down to his running back because he is a rookie. So, so there you go, buy yeah, Leonard Fournette stock. Lucky if you got him. Uh, Clark, talk about Tyreek Hill. His injury, he's going to be out for a little bit of time. Uh, how does that shape the Chiefs' defense? Our Chiefs' offense. We talked a little bit Sammy Watkins at the opening of the show, but what else he got? Yeah, so it's been a roller coaster ride for folks who took Sammy Watkins super early, thinking that the NFL would do the right thing and suspend Tyreek Hill. Fate helps us, and Tyreek Hill will be missing several games. Not enough. Uh, so Sammy Watkins looked amazing. It's this is one of those situations where it's hard to tell if you know Sammy Watkins is back to form like uh, his old self, or if he just plays for the Chiefs and is mildly athletic and so looks amazing. But it doesn't matter because he does play for the Chiefs. He's going to be the wide receiver one on an incredibly potent offense. And if you got lucky like me and held on to him through all of the bad Tyreek Hill news, you have yourselves a wide receiver one for the next few weeks at least. Yeah. What do you feel? How do you feel about McCole um, Hardman, who's now presumably going to take a lot of that kind of Tyreek Hill spot? I think he becomes Sammy Watkins, who is the second wide receiver with some talent, who is a kind of boom bust play. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever one of these Chiefs wide receivers goes out, it's kind of like the next man up who gets a little bump. Like whenever they needed a man last year, it was like Chris Conley or what's his name? Demarcus Robinson. Like one of them would just get their number called and they'd just be slotted right into that offense. And you have Pat Mahomes, 
yeah. In other injury news, we move on. Devin Funchess, like I said at the top of the show, the hype train, once defunct, is now dead and exploded. Uh, Devin Funches broke his collarbone going up for a pass in the red zone, so now we'll be missing significant time. I think he's on IR, um, hopefully with designation to return. Obviously, this is crushing. Um, that being said, like a lot of his fantasy value I had predicated on Andrew Luck getting him the football. Um, that being said, we saw him in the red zone being utilized, being mildly targeted by Jacoby Brissett. So, his injury is a bummer if you own him, but luckily you haven't spent too, too much to get him because he was going pretty late in dress. Big uptick for T.Y. Hilton, uh, who we already saw continued to have success with Jacoby Brissett. And I think this is we're now going to start seeing Paris Campbell uh, get placed in there. And he's not going to obviously be the same big body receiver, but it's going to have to, you know, he's going to now see more targets and see more playing time. I also think that this is an increase to Naheem Hines' ability in the passing game uh, since we saw a little bit of that on Sunday. And I think we'll continue to see him being used in the passing game. I love what the Colts do on the ground. Yeah. Marlon Mack. Mar- Marlon Mack. I mean, granted, I would run behind my large child every chance I got. We'd be going three runs rinse and repeat but yeah it, it looked good you know good for percent yeah mac looked awesome um and and you know they fed him they gave him 25 carries and 174 yards so good for him um yeah r.i.p devin funchess uh r.i.p beat with the kiss of death i know <laughs> really not good clark you gave me the you gave me the hutzpah curse that you know your rankings used to have now anyone who i've mentioned in my opening just oh my god hits the ir yep it's really upsetting all right we got two more injuries that we have to talk about uh tevin coleman sprained his ankle i believe it's a high ankle sprain so he will be out uh for the foreseeable future for the uh san francisco 49ers backfield jordan they were already down Jarek McKinnon. Now they're down Tevin Coleman. Seems like this is Matt Breida season, right? Uh, I'm not sh- so sure about that. I thought, uh, what's his name? Mostert. Is that how you say his name? Mostart? Robert Morset. Marstet. Raheem Mostert. Oh. Look at that. Our role, Nicholas. Um, I thought he looked pretty good and pretty efficient with his carries for the most part. Um, well, at least uh, most there, he averaged a little bit more. I don't think he got as many carries as Breda, but I, I think that just puts the the split between the two of them um, rather than having to worry about a third running back, which that backfield is just always confusing, I feel like. So I, I definitely add uh, most there. Sorry, Clark. Um, yeah, I, I definitely add him because uh, he's going to be in the timeshare. But Breda missed time being evaluated for concussion and was also pulled off the field to get an IV. So I, I don't think that the, the touch totals for him were really all that accurate for what they would like to give him with Tevin Coleman out. So I, I, I'm putting uh, Breda in the uh, late teens mm. in, for my running back uh, rankings this week just because of his, his all-purpose uh, you know, ability and, and what I think is a good offense, but it's, it's, it is shaky. I'm right? telling with that thing. Yeah. I mean, we got to see. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had time to go back and watch a lot of the games, but I watched the Tampa Bay and San Francisco game. And uh, I don't know if you can take anything away from that game. It was incredibly odd. There was a lot of 
really good defensive plays and there were a lot of just really horrible offense. So it's tough to tell, you know, how it shakes out. I think Mostert is definitely an ad. I don't think Brita, even though he's someone I've touted, looked great. It was just a very odd day. Uh, and it may turn out the Bucks' run defense is fantastic and uh, the front line for the 49ers is, is finally good like we've hoped that it was going to be. Uh, but just a really odd game and hard to tease out exactly how things are going to look. Yeah. There, there was a lot of seven and nine bullshit in that game. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Also a lot Some of bright uh, spots, but James also Jameis Winston showing this up that even Bruce Arians, the QB whisperer can't fix him. SMH. I'm almost ready to jump off this Tampa bandwagon, but, <laughs> but. I will hold, I will hold to my guns. <laughs> it's only week but. one. You're going to be here for when they suddenly rattle off 10 wins in a row to make it to the wild card. Defiantly stubborn. <laughs> uh, last in the injury news, uh, another blow to, to guys who I was hyping up in the offseason. Darius Geis, this one's a bummer um, just because he tore his ACL in his one of his knees. I can't remember which one. I think his left? Question mark. Uh, Last season, missed his whole rookie season, and now got an MRI for his right knee, one that he injured in college. Um, and it seems like that's a sprain, and he'll be missing some time too. Uh, Nick, what's your now take on Washington's backfield? Well, so I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to contain myself here. Um, I we we talked in the last podcast about what a, a big risk Darius Geis is, uh, and I I can't recommend Dr. David Chow enough. 17 year team doctor. He told us I can tell by the the film Darius Geis is not ready to go. And there goes Washington rolling out another player who's not ready to play and getting him uh, injured. Um, <clears throat> what's my take on the backfield? If I'm going to own anyone, it's Chris Thompson, but I'm not excited about it. And it's only in PPR leagues. Uh, Adrian Peterson is like 5,000 years old, but it, it, that doesn't, even if, even if Peterson can, can still kind of run well, he's on a team with a bad offensive line until Trent Brown or Trent Williams comes back. Um, but they're never going to play. They're never going to be in close games. You're going to be playing with a two down banger who isn't going to have any, any role. Um, so yeah, I, I, if, if you can't find someone better, I guess go ahead, Chris Thompson. But for me, th- there are some teams where I just don't want anything to do with the players. This is one of them. Yeah. It's a big bummer because I've been starting to be a, a big fan of Darius guys off the field. Um, I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram, but he was hanging out with Matthew McConaughey in recent weeks and he was uh, chilling with my Washington mystics the other night. It's just, we, we over here in the greater DMV area want Darius guys to do well. So it's a bummer to see him get hurt. Finally in NFL news, we got to at least got to at least touch on Antonio Brown, right? Just got to touch on a little bit. Uh, forced his way out of Oakland thanks to a social media consultant because that's now a thing uh, and then signs with the Patriots four or so hours later when this first happened as an avid Patriots fan I felt kind of dirty I was like oh clearly there was some some kind of tampering going on there uh, because you don't get released from a team and then four hours later sign uh, a full contract with all kinds of like they released the guarantees out today this contract is real dense with uh, with all kinds of different incentives but <clears throat> In hindsight, after watching the Patriots offense just bowl over the Steelers last night, I say, bring it the fuck on. Let's go. Edelman, Brown, Gordon, Demarius Thomas, James White, Sony Michelle. Who's stopping this offense? 
even if Brown, even if the Brown experiment goes up in flames, Belichick's just going to cut him, wipe his hands, and have an offense that plastered, absolutely eviscerated the Steelers last night. So I'm sorry for all you people who are out there thinking this is a bad look signing Brown for the Patriots, but it's literally the football team's job to win games. And guess what? That's exactly what they're doing. I'm not saying win at all costs. I'm not a Chiefs fan for crying out loud. If your beef with Brown is that he didn't like his situation and he was in and wanted to get out and then got out, what's the problem here? Don't go acting like he's a bad example for the kids. Please, not when Tyreek Hill's getting fucking contract extensions in the league. Come on, baby. Antonio Brown to the Patriots. Let's do this. Yeah, uh, yeah Mike Greenberg had like a weird rant today that I just saw on Twitter where he's just like, this is the most bizarre sports story that I've heard in the past couple of years. And so many people were replying with like uh, a Dolphins offensive line coach was literally doing blow at the stadium. And Aaron like, Hernandez murdered Hernandez guy. Multiple guys. Tyreek Hill, Adrian Peterson. There are worse people out there getting contracts. That being said, this really hurts my Jacoby Meyer stock because I was buying him up in a couple dynasty leagues. I'm a little bummed. Either that or it's going to really boost it because Jacoby Myers is going to learn to how run routes from Antonio Brown. And then when Brown leaves at the end of this year, he's going to just become Antonio Brown 2.0. There we go. I can take a red shirt year. Why not? Right. That's what I'm doing with Nikhil Harry. Yeah, comments on uh, all of the this is the strangest story I've heard thing. It's just a reminder how fucking stupid a lot of people in the sports media world are and how short people's memories are. Uh, Antonio Brown, absolute knucklehead, uh, absolute wide receiver diva. Uh, but, you know, hasn't committed violence against anybody, hasn't done anything uh, that a bad person would do. Don't don't think that he should be held up as a shining example of a human being, but obviously not a bad person. I think for the uh, Patriots, it's exciting watching uh, that offense last night and thinking, man, uh, how would Antonio Brown look at this? is uh, tempting or, or uh, causes some salivation for people that drafted Antonio Brown, hoping that he would at least play for the Raiders and now he's going to play for the Patriots. I don't think the story is over yet. Uh, I wouldn't go trade for Antonio Brown and I wouldn't trade him either. It's uh, I feel like there's still a few more chapters to be written. Yeah, that's very true. I feel like this is not done. I, I would be surprised. I would love it if Antonio Brown suddenly just becomes like, you know, stays in line and is like i'm here for the team let's do this but i feel like there there might be a little hiccups around the way we'll see he'll he'll probably have to be told to like get in line a little bit someone i was listening to i can't i'm blanking on the podcast but you know they mentioned like the summers of gronk where after a couple years belichick told hey dude stop drinking coors light you know like chugging on camera and shit you know knock this off and and he did and it was fine um i have absolutely no issue with anything that antonio brown did Teams are allowed to get out of contracts uh, because players can't walk anymore and take their money back. Like if if you post on social media to get out of a contract, it's just comparing the. <sighs> he did nothing wrong, and look as as a football fan to all NFL players who are of course listening to this, you owe me nothing. You and and to Seahawks players, you guys don't owe me or any other Seahawks fan anything if you want to get out of your contract that's your right the team doesn't give a shit about you do what you have to do we all support you and those who don't they're not rooting for you for the right reasons anyway so just ignore them and with that those who don't are the people that say uh, you signed a contract but are very quiet on cut down day yeah <laughs> I, 
I think he got to Oakland and was ultimately like, you know what, money's cool and all, but this organization is not being very well run. Like, did you guys follow like the Keelan Doss uh, re-signing? No. Like, they cut him and they tried to get him corks him off the uh, Jacksonville practice squad. So now they're paying him like a fourth round draft pick instead of an undrafted rookie. <laughs> so it's like, it's just like one self own after another for Mike Mayock and company. And John Gruden's just over there. Like, yeah, man, $10 million a year. Just, uh, I love it, man. Not going to wait. How, how soon till Gruden just fully throws Mayock under the bus and gets him fired. Oh, it's like, matter of minutes do you think he makes it to next year's draft that's what i'm wondering i don't, I don't think know i don't think so and I'm the beauty of the missed all of this the fuck you doing hard knocks you're literally there in the middle of all of this chaos and we got to see none of it coming. but they're not going to air the league's dirty laundry no but what if they did hard knocks uncensored hard knocks after dark hard knocks uncensored it's like that old video of the uh post-game interview with uh, our man walking in the background anyway if you're young remember hard knocks uncensored is something else on premium <laughs> that's uh that's something that you have to go to incognito mode to watch <laughs> thanks moving along guys <laughs> i just want to point out that uh, russell wilson's about to have the most the best sleep of his life because he knows that he owes nothing to nick He's been worried his entire career that he owes something to Nick, and now he knows for certain he owes nothing. Chris Carson had more touches than Russell Wilson had pass attempts this week. If you're uh, I thought it was because coaches so. are honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Denny Green voice, they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, all right, before we get into our overreactions that we're buying – Week one, we're going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we're back, and we are going to now talk about week one overreactions. It's a yearly tradition to go absolutely crazy crazy uh with what we've seen in week one and question everything you thought to be true i mean the browns looked like shit uh which any other year would have been what expectations were but this year that was not supposed to happen but instead of dismissing these overreactions as mere week one craziness we figured we're going to talk about the overreactions that we're buying the ones that we think might actually be true long term season long these are trends that we think are going to hold the test of time uh jordan we'll start with you what is the week one overreaction that you actually are buying 
to talk about Lamar Jackson. <laughs> no, I, I am. This isn't an overreaction. I think this is a proper reaction. I am buying the Baltimore Ravens and their offense. I was watching them fairly closely, and I know it was against Miami, but I was telling myself this is basically like Alabama playing Citadel for like a tune-up game early in the season. This is just when you go in, you're you take care of business. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to do. And they won what, like 59 to 10. Like they came out and were completely dominant. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown looked like a special little bonus in a video game that, Oh no, you get to use Marquise Brown to boost your stats. And the fact that they were able to run it on the ground and be very productive in that sense. And, People, like teams are going to be scared of their running game, but when you got athletic guys like Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin, who are both athletically gifted, and Mark Andrews and uh, Hayden Hurst was catching a few passes, it's just it's going to be a hard offense to try to crack and figure out. And one thing I've been saying since Lamar Jackson got drafted is that you may not have precise pinpoint accuracy to put it on the numbers all the time. But the dude can throw a deep ball. And that's something that I think teams should be worried about. Yeah, he ripped a gorgeous one to Marquise Brown, who beat Minka Fitzpatrick deep. Um, and it was just a beautiful rainbow that dropped right in the bread basket. And Brown took it all the way to the house. It was Brown's first game. Like, he didn't play preseason. He barely practiced. Like, this offense still has a long way to go, too, which is very encouraging to me. I thought it was a little disconcerting how long they kept the starters in. I, I liked that Gus Edwards ended up leading the team in rushing attempts just because of how much run he got in the second half. But like, I I think the responsible thing to do would have been to take Lamar off like two touchdowns before he was pulled. Nah, nah, nah. John Harbaugh's got him on his fantasy team and he wanted those five touchdowns. <laughs> he was playing was actually- this week and he was like, you know what? I got to beat my brother in fantasy. I was actually going to tweet like at halftime. I'm like, if the Ravens go up 35 to three here, is it Trace McSorley time? But I have Lamar in fantasy. So I'm like, nah, man. They also did a fake punt punt, like up 30 to nothing, which is just. That was so brutal. Such a dick move, but I love it. I am here for it. Oh my god! It's like a sore throat, and it's not he's too so excited from screaming for I three know. hours yesterday. <laughs> Antonio Brown, he's coming to this team. Uh, Nicholas, what's an overreaction that you are actually buying? Um, that Michael Gallup is a very, very usable fantasy asset this year, and by extension, Kellen Moore is a real offensive coordinator. Um, yeah. The the analytically driven young ex quarterback new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore of the Dallas Cowboys is turning this offensive turning this offense around he's not doing the the old like let's just ground and pound um shout out to me kind of I don't know if you guys saw uh Ezekiel Elliott had had 14 touches and Tony Pollard had 13 it's like I know I waffled on like the day before but like my process was really good and I, I don't know how to feel about it but so this is why you cover both sides Yep. This is why yeah. I said no victory laps for me, Nick. Nope. We still have to see how the game plays out. You know, that way we're both covered and you were totally right and nailed it. All right, thank you. You were too. And 
So anyway, Michael Gallup was just catching deep bombs. And last year, you know, I I think going into the season, it was sort of unknown if he was going to be a deep threat or if he was going to take over the X And when he was battling it out with Alan Hearns. And anyway, he's developed into a great deep threat. Kellen Moore is using a lot of play action. He's, he's executing the offense really, really well. And Michael Gallup caught seven of seven targets for 158 yards. This is the offense that we've been talking about. This, they, they are a, a, a good, smart, analytically driven, driven offense now. And best part of it all, they have, per Warren Sharp, like the easiest pass defense schedule through the first 12 weeks of the season. Trust Dak Prescott. Trust this this passing game. And if you're desperate for a tight end, go pick up Swain or Jar. Who, who is an ass? Swain's in, in Jacksonville now. But Jarwin or Witten, I you know they yeah. both scored. Yeah, some of us uh, were forced to draft Dak Prescott as the 15th quarterback off the board in their league, and uh, sometimes you just back into it. Sometimes he uh, does it all together. Which this is just kind of like I feel like this is a. Uh, <sighs> a poor review on whoever their old OC was because remember like the whole reason that kind of Des Bryant faded with the Cowboys, despite for the, other than being old and having injuries and, and being a lot of money, but everyone was like, Oh, Dak Prescott doesn't like throwing the deep ball. He can't do it. It's all little check downs and that's not Des Bryant's game. And then when he gets an actual, an offensive coordinator that can scheme things appropriately, you know, he's ripping it all over the field and throwing four touchdowns and looking like a boss back there. So uh, not a great look to the Cowboys for the last, you know, whatever, three or four years of Dak's career. Yeah, my my favorite headline that I saw is uh, Jerry Jones says Dak Prescott deal imminent. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, you're, late, buddy. Yeah. No, you're, you're late. fucked now, Jerry. <laughs> you, you fucked that one up royally as Dax coming off like the best game of his career. And you're like, well, we'll sign you now. You mean begging yeah. for $40 million a year. Uh, exactly. He's, he's going, I want $10 million for every 100 yards I threw in that last game, motherfucker. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I'm 100% buying Michael Gallup. I love how athletic he is. And he... I mean, he's going to get the opportunities because Amari Cooper is going to draw a lot of attention. But when you have somebody as good as Michael Gallup on the other side, that just makes this offense so much more potent. And um, yeah, I hate to say it as a fan who has a team in the NFC, but the Dallas Cowboys have like sneakily been kind of really good at drafting the past couple of years, Um, at least in terms of like they've been able to get like a viable starter or two within every draft. I mean, you're talking Gallup, Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, everybody on that offensive line. Like they've been, they've been solid at being able to get their guys who can produce. And that's good because they like to spend a lot of money. So when yeah. they're capped out like they uh, normally are, that's, that's a bonus for them. And Randall Cobb looked good too. He got a touchdown. That offense, that offense could be uh, very fantasy potent this year. Yeah, I'd, I'd like Jordan to check on this one. Randall Cobb always looks good until he gets tackled that awkward way one time and then kind of slows down a little bit. Sorry. Randall Cobb, he's good for like 14-ish games, which is good. Yeah, that's that's worthwhile. That's worth a roster spot. The overreaction that I'm buying from week one, uh, and it's similar to your, Jordan, in the same vein. It's not more talking about the Ravens. But I'm going to talk about the Bengals, uh, specifically Andy Dalton, who looked like the Red Rifle again. Zach without a K Taylor's the head coach who is the QB coach for the Rams. And I, I like that pedigree. I know that 
you know, you're kind of betting on it, an unproven coach to do something, but the offense looked good. He was getting protection. There was a lot of open guys running around in Seattle secondary. It wasn't just like little short throws or contested catches. It was guys who were schemed open in Seattle. Uh, they maybe finally figured out how to use John Ross who went off and had 12 targets and seven catches and two touchdowns. So he's like maybe now an actual receiver. We've seen Andy Dalton have good years. Like he's been a good quarterback before. He had two 4,000 plus years uh, once in 2016 and one in 2013, where he also tossed 33 touchdowns. I'm buying because I just think that it's easier to take a quarterback who's shown himself to be good. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying Andy Dalton's going to be like an MVP candidate or, or, you know, freaking incredible, but he's proven himself to be good. And I think Zach Taylor can get, seemingly get a lot out of him in this offense and I think he could return to being a top 15 quarterback top end quarterback who is a great stream option um and I, I like this offense I'm buying this offense I'm glad I drafted AJ Green and he's sitting in my IR section because when he comes back whoo baby wide receiver one here we come yeah it's again hard to say after one week but sometimes we're right that a coach is holding back the team and we've been talking about someone other than Marvin Lewis being in charge for a really long time. And uh, it looks like maybe he was holding everybody back. Or at least, yeah, that offense that he was <laughs> thinking of running. Yeah, uh, I agree with that, you guys. I want to read this off from Evan Silva today. They ran, I'm not sure if this was of uh, pass plays or of plays overall, but they, they threw a play action at 34%. I think that's of plays overall which might be league leading, but play action is the cheat code that NFL teams choose to sparingly use. Um, bringing A.J. Green back into this offense, running that kind of an offense, they're not going to just be like an NFL team. That is a good team. That's a good offense. This is uh, an unexpected development. And it's one I'm buying. They went into Seattle. It was a game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I- I'm here for that. I'm and and the biggest thing I watched I watched the highlights of the game. I didn't watch the game live, but I watched the highlights because I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't like fluke plays. I didn't, you know, John Ross had a huge game. So was it mostly John Ross inflating Dalton stats in the offensive yards? No, Dalton threw at 51 attempts uh, because they just couldn't run the ball. And Joe Mixon tweaked his ankle, but he seems to be fine. So don't worry about that. Um, But they were passing the ball all over. And like I said, people were open. And that to me is the biggest sign of a new system and that new system being effective. And a quarterback like Andy Dalton, who can get the ball where it needs to be to the open guy, is going to thrive in a system that is good. Yeah, to that point about play action too, that – it's like a really good way or it can be a really good way to mitigate any sort of offensive line weaknesses mm-hmm. that you might have. And Cincinnati, they clearly do not have a very good offensive line because their run game was so uh, inefficient in Seattle. But with, you know, with being able to put Andy Dalton in a situation where he can succeed on play action, I really feel like we're in, in the age um, of just, kind of average above average quarterbacks as long as they get the right play caller we're talking Dak Prescott, we're talking Andy Dalton we're talking Jared Goff like they can be really good uh players and it just grand scheme of things it makes me wonder all these players who uh may have just been in the the wrong system or in the wrong era who could have been extraordinarily good yeah yep 
Uh, Clark, wrap us up. What's the week one overreaction that you're buying? So the Steelers, I think, have shown that you cannot continue to lose Hall of Fame talent each year and remain viable on offense. We saw the Steelers look okay last year, letting Le'Veon Bell go, replacing him with hard-charging James Conner, who, who runs, his, runs his ass off but is no Le'Veon Bell, against the Patriots, who, granted, always play people tough. Uh, you know, they'll usually have one bad game in October-ish, and then they recover and win the Super Bowl. Uh, they're schemed well, but there were no threats that the Patriots had to worry about, and that showed through. Juju Smith-Schuster, this is what I meant by saying he's going to have a tough season. Not that he's a garbage player, but he's going to get you know, 70, 80 yards because he's going to get targeted often, and that's like your wide receiver 12 to 15, and people were talking him as the wide receiver too. Uh, Granted, the Patriots have an incredible cornerback situation, but there there's nothing that teams have to really be afraid of with the Steelers anymore. And I think that we're going to see them struggle mightily offensively all season. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And we've been talking about this all offseason. And I, and I mentioned this, and some people were getting into the fake teams mentions being like, wow, way to base this on one game in the Patriots. And like you said, have are really deep in the secondary in that whole nine yards. But this is it, it doesn't need to play out exactly like and it won't. It won't play out exactly like Sunday night, right? Juju will still get his, um, but he's not gonna get his to the level that I think people were anticipating. Like you said, he's not a wide receiver top five guy. He's just not gonna put up those numbers and he was being taken with that valuation. He he is the clear cut number one guy. Defenses are going to either put their best corner on him or double him with a corner and a safety. And then challenge everyone else to beat them. And as we saw last night against the Patriots, no one beat them. I mean, James Washington had one big bomb over the top of Jason McCourty, but that was it. That's all they got. And if you can then stymie James Conner and shut down that run game, this, this offense is, you know, like you, you said it very well, Clark. They, the, the Steelers moved on from two Hall of Fame talents and then didn't really do, they trusted themselves to be able to replace them. And this is what happens when you replace Hall of Fame talents with good starting players. I'm still pretty bullish on the Steelers. I I think that they are a team that definitely could have used a tune-up game instead of going into a primetime week one matchup against the defending Super Bowl champs um, just because the Patriots defense is very good and the Patriots offense, I mean, they know what they're doing. And um, I, I think they're, they're just going to have a learning curve. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has got some things to figure out as the new number one. Um, and also, they draft, they traded up to draft Devin Bush uh, as to kind of be the uh, skeleton key that unlocks the rest of the defense. And he's just a rookie, so he is going to have a pretty steep learning curve himself to help this defense figure some more things out. I, I I'm still all right on them. I'm still pretty bullish on them. They just, they're, they're the example, I think, of a team that's good, but has a lot to figure out. And week one just can't really be the litmus test for them just yet. Yeah. And I want to make sure that I'm clear that I'm, I'm not saying that the Steelers are not good anymore, but they, I believe they are falling from one of the best offenses in the NFL more towards the middle of the pack. They can still be the second best AFC North team if they want. <laughs> they put their minds on it. I, I think you still go by Juju. I, I'm not counting him out of the top five yet. There's reason to not do that. He was targeted often. You could tell they were trying to get him the ball. So maybe if I'm missing it and the Patriots are just really good in the secondary, that's 
that's a good call. We'll see. We'll see. Stefan Gilmore's the best corner in the league. So yeah, that, damn right that hurts. That's a matchup issue for anybody in the league, and you should be careful of that going forward this season. If we keep talking about the Patriots, we're not going to be able to keep Pete's head in the shot. Uh, yeah, it's going to just get <laughs> way too big. Uh, it's already taking up most of the screen. So there you go. There are some week one, uh, week one overreactions that we're buying that we actually think could permeate and continue throughout the whole season. Uh, before we go, though, finally, we want to quickly touch on let's touch on some waiver wire ads, some guys to target in the waivers because basically everything opens up tomorrow. So you gotta go get your guy, Nick. Who is the guy? If you could add one person off waivers, who are you adding? So I, I was the uh, the black sheep on on the Jets through this podcast through the uh, through the summer. Uh, you know how many times Jameson Crowder was targeted? Yes, I do. You hit it seventeen. Seventeen. Seventeen <laughs> fucking yes. times. And he's owning like forty. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, if you are awarded points per reception or not. If a guy is going to be getting double-digit targets every game, not like we if we can pencil him in for like eleven, he's a startable fantasy asset. But I mean, he got fourteen balls in 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 uh, he got fourteen passes. So in PPR, that's over two touchdowns. He added to his ninety-nine yards. Anyway, yeah, go add Jamison Crowder. That's it's stupid. Yeah, and I like a- the call because you know, like the really fairly run Pittsburgh Steelers offense playing the Patriots. The Bills defense, I think, is going to be incredibly legit this year. And so I think the Jets actually acquitted themselves really well against a team that I think in seven or eight weeks we're going to realize is a powerhouse unit. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Jordan, who are you adding off waivers? Um, I mentioned this guy a little bit earlier in the year, um, Malcolm Brown, uh, who is the Rams backup. It didn't look like they were necessarily holding – Todd really back for any sort of injury related reasons, but uh, Malcolm Brown is going to be the relief pitcher to do the same things that um, Todd Gurley can do in the run game. And he's only owned in 6.5% of the SPS league. So at the very most or very least, I think he's like a vulture touchdown kind of guy. Yeah. I really like that pick kind of a freer Latavius Murray and uh, someone that is clearly on a pitch count in front of him already a little bit of standalone value and uh, you don't want to cheer for injury or bet on it, but uh, Malcolm Brown is a good pickup and stash. I think too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the Rams offense showed that they were going to balance touches between, I mean, that's what they did between Gurley and, and Malcolm Brown. And so that's what they're going to keep. Sometimes doing. coaches are honest. Yep. Like we said, so, <laughs> I, I will only again to my horn again here real briefly study injury stuff you guys and and use dr chow he's been telling us since end of last year we know what Gurley's workloads are going to be and um yeah malcolm brown is here to stay uh dr chow can we get like a sponsorship uh just given the amount of i feel like you are getting a lot of runtime and we would like to be compensated for that just let us know reach out to our guys our guys will reach out to you we're gonna figure this out that's a good call pete thanks thanks nick i'm always here to uh make a dollar <laughs> Clark, who are you rushing to add off of waivers? Uh, this one's obvious. We've been waiting for this guy to break out for three years. And now that he's not under an oppressive yoke, he has. Don't overthink it. You should go pick up John Ross. He's under. He's not owned in more than 33% of leagues. That's kind of the bar I set for waiver wire stuff. Uh, AJ Green's going to be out for a long time. And like you said, this offense is kind of cooking with gas with their new offensive coordinator. 
against the Seattle team that may not be as good as their vaunted defenses in the past, but they always play well. So that the Bengals were able to put this up against that team, I think speaks well of them. So uh, I wouldn't spend all of my fab, but I would go aggressive to, to try to get John Ross. Yeah, I love jo- I, I mean, if, if the Bengals now know how to use John Ross, if he's an option in this offense, he has that elite speed to basically every ball he touch, he can take it to the house. So you could be in line for just a lot of, of big scoring outputs. If you're in leagues with University of Washington alums like I am, don't worry about not getting him. Someone is going to blow their entire fab budget. To go <laughs> Someone's going to be like, yes, I've been waiting for yes. this day forever. Yes, he is absolutely going to be gobbled up by the Huskies. So the guy who I'm running to add off of waivers, uh, I initially had John Brown as my pick, who still is a very good get. We've spent a lot of time in the history of this podcast talking about him, but I liked Clark's 30% owned as kind of a litmus test. And John Brown, last time I checked, is like 50%. So if he is available in your league, go get him. He's going to be the Bills' number one receiver. But a guy who I think caught a lot of people by surprise in the game and who's only 5% owned last time I checked, Danny Amendola. Uh, he was had seven receptions on 13 targets, and I watched the game. That game I did watch. Matt Stafford was looking for him. Uh, basically, every like fifth throw was going Danny's way. Uh, they had plays created for Danny Amendola. I understand that this Cardinals offense or Cardinals defense is probably going to be a dumpster fire all season long. But if Danny, if you're in a PPR and you are looking for guys who are going to get you receptions. Danny Amendola seems like the going to be a heavy targeted uh, guy in Detroit. Didn't he play lacrosse or something? Uh, no, you're thinking of Chris Hogan, the other oh. one of the other. No, well, maybe. Uh, can't recall. Can't recall. I can't talk about the Lions without just shouting about Matt Patricia and Carry On Johnson. I told you guys not to draft him. It. it this is going to be free Carry On until he's out of there. I, I hate it. But they did pass the ball a lot. So, Matty Stafford, buy him everywhere. <laughs> right. Sometimes coaches are not honest. <laughs> and, and there's, and there's what the final thought we'll leave you on this podcast. Sometimes coaches are. Sometimes coaches are. <laughs> so, we're, we're at halftime of Monday Night Football. And I know that by the time this comes out, it, it's not going to matter. But the NFC South may lose, may, may all be tied at 0-1. If the Texans pull this out, oh hell! Houston, Houston kind of looks like they're moving the ball at will here. They've had a, a few mistakes, a couple drop balls, but they've been looking pretty decent. Well, I mean, they're incredible, and all of their fans are handsome. So, oh, there goes Kamara. Sure. Well, oh, I'm on a delay, but that's fine. Kamara. Kamara can have a huge game. The Texans just need to win. So, I need him to have a very good game, but not amazing, because I have him in one, but I'm playing against him in another. It needs to be measured. That is a pickle of a situation. Yeah. Anyway. All right. (laughs) Let's sign off. Um, Make sure to subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast channel. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, under iTunes, under Stitcher, under Spotify. Give us five stars. Tell us why you're excited for football to be back. We are excited. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nicolas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you Thursday to talk week two starts and sits. Until then, peace.